Welcome to another episode of the Traveling Hoopers podcast. I am your host, Alan Predigrew Jr., and in front of me are my two best friends in the world, Calvin McGowan and Philip Dixon, the man who ditched me while I was in Kansas City, but we're not going to get into that here. Guys, go ahead and and let the people hear your voice. Once again, everybody, I'm Calvin McGowan. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, And yeah, What's going on, everybody? It's Philip Dixon, a.k.a. Boy, if you don't get your listen, that ain't true. All right, let's go. All right, guys, we're going to start off the podcast a little different today. We're start off with a segment called The Tip-Off, and that's basically where we come in to kind of just get some, whatever we got on our chest, we get it off. And uh, my first thing has to be Steve Nash as a coach. Look, I... Revere Steve Nash, the point guard. He was a true playmaker. He made the game easier for just about everybody he played when he was in his prom. He has not done that at all for Kevin Durant in this series. Uh, Boston has a really good defensive scheme, and that's basically beat Kevin Durant up every time he is even close to the ball. And Steve Nash and his staff have done nothing to make that the tiniest bit easier like there is not more screen sets like there's there's like no elevator screens there's no stagger screens to kind of just give Kevin Durant that small sliver of space that he actually needs to get his shot off in a regular situation like it has been hard to watch like everybody's talking about the two times that Jason Tatum has blocked Kevin Durant's jumper guys this isn't the first time that happened the first time that we saw like Kevin Durant get blocked was by Chris Middleton last year. So, like, yeah, there's probably, like, a little bit of Kevin Durant either being rusty from the injury or just being old. Like, this man came in in 2007. 2007. He's been in the league for 15 years. He's had two major lower body injuries. And it's not far off to say that, you know, he he's starting to he's starting to plateau, but he is still one of like the most bona fide and best scorers that we've like ever seen in this league. And you can't tell me some slight adjustments, even if we're doing like the glorified sh- like shooting schemes where he's like running off a down screen or just just come off something where he can get a little bit of space. And that has not been what we have seen at all. I know it's harder to do when you don't have like a lot of true point guards, but there has to be some point where you have Patty Mills and Kyrie and KD all on the floor at the same time where you can get some easier looks for both of those guys, even if that's just having Patty Mills initiate the offense for like five seconds and then tell him get his ass in the corner. So everybody else can, like, get some movement. Like, I do not like what I'm seeing from, like, these past three games. Uh, I don't know what the Nets are going to do after this offseason, but I do think there needs to be some type of change at head coach. And even if it's not at head coach, they got to get an assistant coach that is, like, offensive-minded to the point where, like, Mid-game adjustments or, like, this next-game adjustments come so much easier because they've been rolling out the same exact thing for three games. And then we get, like, hey, Ben Simmons is going to come. That'll change everything. Will it? I I have no idea if that does, like, do anything for anyone except, like, the defensive end. And I completely get that that is an issue but that ain't the problem. It's a it's a sticky situation out here. This offseason is going to be really fun, and uh, the Steve Nash decision that that needs to be made because we're what three, two, three years into this head coaching experiment, and uh, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it at all. All right, what y'all guys think? Okay, so you toss a lot out there, um, and I can only respond to what I can remember. So, 
Firstly, according to as of this morning, um, Steve Steve Nash is there's, there's unlikely to be a change at the head coaching uh, position, and that that was as of this this morning from a reliable like ESPN like Bleacher Report uh, source, right? Um, so there's that. Secondly, um, there there was this analogy that Charles Barkley made of like. You are riding the bus, or you're driving the bus, or you're just riding the bus when it comes to, like, championships, and you can't be over here talking about, man, I'm a champion, and you over here just riding the bus, and Kevin Durant has made that, like, I wasn't of, like, that mindset towards Kevin Durant prior to this year, but that has kind of I can't like disregard that argument anymore because of this this year, right? Um, with you know him and his championships in Golden State, uh, I could like assume, you know what I mean? He did hop on to like a seventy three win team, and it was like, yeah, but he like made the team better. He ran that team, but then like when you look at his playoff records, like outside of that for the Nets and Oklahoma City, it's like okay, but then like Steph Curry. You know what I mean? Was Steph Curry really the one like riding or driving that bus, and Kevin Rant was just actually riding that bus? But it seemed like that he was driving the bus because he was on a team with Steph Curry. You know what I mean? So there's that. Um, uh, also, um, the Ben Simmons thing. Um, ben Simmons is apparently having like some issues, not just physically but mentally. But also, it's like, is, you know, he had some meeting with, like, the higher-ups in the Nets today, um, you know, with uh, his agent, Rich Paul, to try and figure out, like, what is going on with him and what is his role and what he can do to get on the floor with the Nets, uh, you know. But that's all fine and dandy. After the fact, if you're getting clowned extra hard because you were put in a position or put yourself in a position of I might make it, I might be able to play, and all of a sudden your team's down 3-0 and you just disregard the whole entire situation and all of a sudden, oh, can't play no more, not mentally there. Well, you're still collect, trying to collect that two, that $20 million from Philadelphia, so come on now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's a lot going on with the Nets. Um, Steve Nash is a awful coach. Uh, he just, once again, didn't make an adjustments and doesn't have the um, privilege of having a Steph Curry in that Golden State team like Steve Kerr does. Because honestly, if you replace them, you replace Steve Kerr and Steve Nash, they're running in the exact same position. But one of them has like. Steve Nat or one of them have Steph Curry, right? And the other one has like Durant and Kyrie, who have not been proven to be winners by themselves without Steph Curry or LeBron. You know what I mean? Which is the greatest shooter and the greatest back shooting or shooting backcourt of all time, or arguably the greatest player of all time. You know what I mean? So you know, once again, you threw a lot out there. That's what I can. That's what I can remember to like uh, rebuttal against. Uh, or you know, I think it wasn't even necessarily rebuttaling, but I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, but I understand why you would start off your you know topic like this because you did pick the Nets to go to the championship and win. I think, which now right now looking back at it, it's like oh, let's, let's 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 have a little amnesia about that pick. But it's no amnesia. I knew what was wrong at the beginning of the season. I didn't know who to pick. <laughs> so I was like, let's go. Let's go I mean, with the next. I'll, I'll, I'll I, look stupid for the rest of the season. You remember I, week two? I was like, eh, I don't know if we're going to get this done. I mean, I chose the Phoenix Suns to get a championship and the Milwaukee Bucks. And Dan Booker got hurt on me. Yikes. All of a sudden, they look like a completely different team. Chris Middleton got hurt on me. Yikes, they look a completely different team. You know, so we'll, we'll see, but it looks like we might all be wrong. Look, um, you know, if there was ever a year to be wrong, it is this one. And I don't have a single issue with it. Um, 
we're not those people, but the NBA fans have always wanted parity, right? And now we really don't. We don't. We don't know who's gonna win. Like, if the Seventy Sixers stay he- healthy, like that's my pick right now. I guess we still got the Warriors, but Embiid versus the entire like front line for the Warriors. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I swear on everything. If I mean, I don't. I don't want the Warriors to win based off of a couple things, but also I don't completely dislike Steph Curry as much as I used to, right? I kind of am infatuated with Jordan Poole's game, but people saying he's a young Steph Curry is mind-boggling to me. Like, to even try and make a comparison is ridiculous. If you played for any other team, you could make a comparison. Like, you could, right? But people are trying to, like, to make a comparison. I'm like... This is ridiculous. So I think I just don't want them to win just to, like, people chill off on, like, this weird Golden State, like, fandom that happens every year when they have some kind of a semblance of, like, being good. Uh, because their fan base, turns out, are kind of more annoying or just as annoying as Lakers fans because they're not knowledgeable whatsoever because for some reason – they have a lot of band not for some reason, they have a lot of bandwagon fans who's just started becoming fans by like the Splash Brothers era and Splash Cousins, kind of man. disregard the fact that they had the greatest shoot they had or have the greatest shooting backcourt of all time. And it's like you can't just like everything that follows along with that is circumstantial because of that one particular thing. So I, I just I hate their fan base. So no offense to Steph Curry, no offense. And I like Clay Thompson. I just hate people that like them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. All right. I'm rewind back a little. Uh. And I'm offer a bit of sympathy for the devil, metaphorically speaking. Um. So getting back to the Nets for a brief moment, because you're talking about adjustments. I I ran across something on the internet. Talking about Van Gundy just kind of criticizing, you know, fans and whatever for not really knowing what we're talking about. Just to say that, like, of course, Nash has made adjustments. Have they been good? Obviously not. KD has been. He might as well sat on the bench, low key. Um, And the last two games, same thing with Kyrie, low key. Um, But, like, one, I just want to be like, okay, he's made adjustments. They just haven't been good adjustments. They haven't worked. And also just, it's still not a particularly well-constructed roster, especially without Simmons playing. So, like, as a coach, fairness to Nash, and, like, I don't think he's a good coach, but, like, there's only so much you can do to remedy that, right? Is there a single dude on that roster who you'd be comfortable leaving on an island? In, like, Like, an ISO situation. Defensively? Yeah, defensively. No. <laughs> exactly. Right? Um, and that's a problem when, like, for example, uh, game three, Jalen Brown just, he just started knocking down shots, just hitting everything. It, what was this? I think it was the third? Like, it started in, like, the third, just, and, like, they don't have a dude to stop that, for real. Right. And Bruce Brown has been having right the series of probably his entire career. Uh and good for him, but like if Bruce Brown is your leading scorer, you're probably not winning games. And like that's not to to shit on him. It's just it like <laughs> I'm not really look, I'm not trying to shit on him. My yeah, issue is not his effort should. or his ability. Wait, what, what, just, what, what, what you're saying is a reality. So, you mean, it's, yeah. It is, but you're being real, but you are also doing that at the same time. That man is a 6 five power forward in the NBA. That still blows my like, mind. I mean, he's good at what he does, but, like, what he does should not be being leading scorer on a team with Kyrie and KD. And, like, 
no amount of him getting buckets is going to change that basic fact. Um, and, like, the thing is that there's, defensively, there's only so much they can do at this point, right, to try and make things better, right? Offensively, theoretically, you have more options, but, like, none of them are great, right? If Kyrie, if Kyrie Irving is leading your offense, you're also not winning games, though for very different reasons than Brown. Brown, just his game isn't built to be a leading scorer. Kyrie, it's just not going to work. I, I don't know what else to say. It's just a terrible idea. We've seen what happens. He, he, he's not a winning player as the top guy. Um, dang it, there was something I'm forgetting. Um, well, while you think about it, let me just say this. Any This season solidified in my mind that there is no way you should like Kyrie over Dane. There is no way. Kyrie had a really, really, really good game one. And then he was hush-hush the rest of the time. Kyrie, that's his thing, scoring. Mm-hmm. And it was and in the playoffs, his scoring has always been inconsistent when not playing with the arguably the greatest player of all time. And so at some point, we have to stop being like the general public. We have to stop being so infatuated with the 19 dribbles to get one shot off and start having to like really dig deep and go, ah, results. You are playing with Kevin Durant and you are getting and you are getting shut down essentially, and you're supposed to be a scoring a savant. This doesn't make any kind of sense. So I I just don't understand it. Um, but this this is a knock against Kyrie's legacy, hundred percent. Um, and, and you you can't think of it in, in, in any other way. So while you thought about your point, that's one of the points that I kind of thought about while watching this uh tweet uh-huh. that might happen. If not actual sleep. I still don't remember that point, but now I'm thinking about like why did they only have why did Seth Curry only take eight shots? Like I'm sorry, I'm just looking at this now. Because it's like, okay, if you're trying to look for alternatives because they've completely iced out Durant and Irving, then like wouldn't your next dude be Curry? Because like he's not his he's not his brother, but like if if you want a shot like he he's as good as anybody to go like to go and score for you. And he proved last playoffs with Philadelphia that if you get a, give him the ball in isolation, he can make something happen. Like I know I said earlier with Patty Mills, like him bring the ball up. No, have have Seth. I, Seth been so like insignificant these like this round that I forgot he was on the team. Like even in game one, like, I don't remember him doing anything. Like, that needs to be the person's, like, let, let's give everybody some space to kind of, like, work off the ball. Let Seth initiate the offense. And then run to the corner at some point. I think this is what happens when you have two players who essentially play the game the exact same way. One just happened to be 6'10", one happens to be 6'3", right? 6'2", whatever. Of individualized scoring. So if you shut down that one aspect of their game, like when's the last time you heard Durant going, you know, going, you know, um, 15 points, but like, like 15 assists. Like John Morant, this last uh, loss in Minnesota, he was shut down in terms of scoring, but he had a lot of assists to go along with it. What was he? What did he ended up with? Like 14 like, I think he had like 15. He had like, like nine rebounds, right? So, yeah. but like, you could knock Morant for, I don't know why you necessarily would, but you could knock Morant. But at least when his score, his score went down, another statistical category went up. Kevin Durant, that doesn't happen, right? Because at the end of the day, he's still trying to score, trying to score, trying to score. He's not necessarily trying to be a playmaker. Uh, Kyrie, that exact same thing generally happens. And you can't have two people on the same team with that same mentality and hope for success, right? So, um, 
you know, and, and once again, you were to go back to the whole Ben Simmons thing. When it initially happened, all three of us said you can't help but to see that the Nets won. Well, or the Nets won the trade. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if Seth Curry is only getting that many shots and they're not using him well in terms of just like Kevin Durant and Kyrie in terms of, uh, you know, uh, getting their teammates shots and in the full of the game and all kind of stuff. The Nets ain't win that trade because even James Harden, though he's not playing well, they win it. The Nets. They win it. Dude. They're being, he's being more effective than that, which is Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, and a non-playing Ben Simmons. So it's crazy how just in a month or two, you have to re-flip that whole entire thought process of, looks like Philadelphia actually got the better than the stick. Yeah. Hey, you I forgot Andre Drummond out there, too. I don't remember any of his minutes in the series. I, I mean, at least in the last game, he only played 16 minutes, for example. So, like, there might not be that many minutes to remember. All right. You you know well, how it comes to this tipping off point. Are you the only one that gets one, or do we all get one? Uh, we all get one, but we is is one per episode. It's a second. Okay, Sorry. Mind. Okay, cool. Never yeah. Nah, but if you want to bring something up, you can bring something up. Uh, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, before. Oh, we real get quick to that, though. Real quick though. Up? Um, if they swapped out Kerr for Nash, the Nets are doing better this series. I don't. I'm not a. Kerr fan, but he's definitely better than Nash Look, as a coach. Kerr can make an adjustment or two. I'll give him. I'll give him that. Maybe, but I don't believe it. <laughs> a lot of you. Maybe, but like for a coach who we, the only season we saw him need to make adjustments for was when everybody went out and he had Draymond and they were abysmal. I don't trust you to make crazy adjustments. Um, granted, they had a lot of pair players go out. But still, yikes! So I have, I have. He hasn't put. He hasn't been put in a situation to where I'm comfortable going. Uh, yes, he's great at making adjustments. He just yeah. happens. He once again, both these coaches have some of the greatest players that we've seen in having. This is the benefit of their coaching career. You know what I mean? So, hey, do not talk about all time top fifteen all time great Steve Kerr. Like that, y'all, y'all remember that list for the top fifteen? Oh yeah, all yeah, time? yeah, yeah. I do, but I try to ignore it because that's bro. Like, <laughs> I know coaching is a hard thing to do, and I know it's even harder to rank. But what? What are we doing, Steve? I think, that means Steve well, Dash got to be top fifty. Once again, people are caught in the moment, caught up in the moment. You know what I mean? People of you know. It doesn't matter who you are. I think a lot of even like sports journalists and sports writers can come in the moment also, right? Because uh, there's no way you could like just take away his championships and t- like there's no way you could say that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you said you could say that same thing for a lot of people, but like Phil Jackson did win with like two different franchises in like eras. Um, you didn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a whole thing. But speaking of coaches, Stan Van Gundy. I've been rocking with you. Like, you're, you're great at what you do. But you really just, you kind of, like, stuck up for the kid that got a D on a test that he he's just not good at the subject. And just because you tried don't mean you did a good job. Like, Steve Nash uh, isn't good at this. But what was he wanted to bring up, Phil? I'm sorry. Oh, so I was coaching basketball this week in AU tournaments, and for the first time in a long time, I was able to definitively articulate what I hate about bad coaching high school and lower basketball. You should not, if you're a coach, why are you more focused on winning your AAU tournament then you are skill development for kids. How are middle school kids and early high school kids playing zone? So they don't know how to play defense. They just know how to play areas. 
I, it doesn't make sense to me. And I kept seeing it over and over again of, here, the other team is playing a zone defense. But, you know, this kid, but, you know, your offense is staggered. So no kid knows where to cut or how to cut to expose his own defense. But just sitting there and chucking up threes because that's modern day basketball. And I saw some of the most atrocious coaching because I can't necessarily bring the kids that, that, that early on. Right. I saw some of the most coaching, I saw the most abysmal coaching decisions that I've ever seen in my life because once again coaches are more focused on winning um and like their coaching record than they are developing like kids and teaching them how to actually play basketball um and you know you want to talk about coaching the NBA there's bad coaching all over basketball right now mm-hmm. honestly like if you see bad coaching from some guy named Steve Nash who was supposed to be some basketball wizard in terms of the mind when he was playing. Imagine just some guy who probably works at AutoZone. You know what I mean? Who was like, I'm going to coach this team. And that's even worse. But these kids aren't growing up learning how to play. So you have a bad coach. You can adjust accordingly as the player themselves. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, when you're talking about bad coaching, we were talking about bad coaching. It kind of just sparked my memory of like oh yes i did have the talking point of like really 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 bad coaching in basketball but not just an nba level but overall and you shouldn't be so upset at players as you are at the coaches themselves at putting them in bad positions but so if you go if you want to make it all the way to the nba and talk about those coaches it is also on those players as much more than it would be lower down because coaches put players into position or coaches make plays to put players in position to succeed. But it's up to those players at the NBA level to know how to maneuver at that point to get their shot off, right? Um, it's up to Tim Kevin Durant to, at some point, be able to figure out how to score on this Boston Celtics defense and not have them look like some all-time Detroit Pistons defense that is mind-boggling to watch for everybody, right? But Kevin Durant more than likely has not had to learn how to play smart basketball in that way because he is 6'10 and is incredibly skilled. So, as Alan mentioned early on, once your skill development tends to plateau because of lower body injuries and a bunch of different things that just tend to happen because you're a human being, you have to rely on these. You have to rely on the basketball IQ of a person. And if you're not taught that basketball IQ at a much young, at a much younger age and developed in that way, you won't have the capabilities of doing so. So that's, that's what I wanted to say real quick. I'm going to do a little bit of reading in between the lines here, Philip. You just said Kevin Durant has a low basketball IQ. Low key. Think, <laughs> no, 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 seriously. I think Kevin Durant can't afford to have a low basketball IQ because he can hit fadeaway three-pointers from the top of the key. So, so you don't need to have the highest basketball IQ because he's seven foot and can move like he's 5'10 and has the ball skills of a point guard. So you don't have to technically have the greatest IQ. But the issue is, and you, you, you see this with LeBron, the older you get, the more injuries you, you, you accumulate, um, you know, the slower, the, the slower you become, the more exposed you become of, oh, I need to have a better basketball IQ because if I don't, then – I will start getting, you know, exposed in a certain way. So I'm not saying, oh, Kevin Durant's the worst basketball player. He don't have a basketball IQ. He never needs to have have one. But then this series kind of exposed the fact that his IQ isn't crazy high. We've seen examples of LeBron's IQ being wildly high, right? Um, He's getting older, but you can tell he's slowing down. But he's making really strong basketball IQ decisions on the court. Kevin Durant in adjustments. Kevin Durant 
you don't see that with, and you have not, we have not ever seen a person with a crazy strong basketball IQ with the skill level of Kevin Durant be destroyed to the point of Kevin Durant in this series. First round with another top 10 score in the NBA, and you might get swept. You don't no. see that stuff. If your, your basketball is that high, your basketball IQ is high enough, you don't see this with players of this caliber. You don't see it. So, I'm, kind of, yeah. Actually, you know I'm saying he has a low IQ. His IQ ain't crazy high, though. Okay, so I'll I'll grant you that. Like, I don't think he's got the basketball IQ of, like, like you said, LeBron or Rondo or, like, Chris Paul. Um, but, like, I think the issue you run into, though, even with that, is, like, I think part of what the Celtics has, have been able to do is, outside of just, like, always keeping somebody in his face, right, kind of exposing some of his, you know, physical limitations, which is to say he's not the strongest dude in the world. He's not the toothpick he was when he came into the league. But, like, if you've got bodies that, like, if, like, Robert Williams, for example, isn't going to do a good job of outrunning KD, but he can keep him in one spot. Um, and, right, the issue is also, if even if you, like, have a high basketball IQ, right, for example, if you have teammates that aren't, thinking about the game like that aren't doing what they need to do to get themselves open to give you like lane, like to give you good passing lanes or to like help free you up. Then that's also going to make the game harder for you because they aren't doing what they would need to do to really allow you to do what you would need to do. Um, if I might. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. So it doesn't necessarily in my mind need to mm-hmm. be so like, Oh, I've never seen you know, Kevin Durant do something like that before. Well, his IQ is out of this world. Do you remember when LeBron was playing with Cleveland and Kevin Love and Kyrie got hurt? And so for that last finals, you saw LeBron just playing the paint the entire time and just dominating the paint because he saw that's what the team needed? Mm-hmm. We never saw LeBron really play the game like that before. Ever. Right? But he was like... This is what I think I need to do to have us have the best chance of winning. So we saw LeBron literally play the game like we've never seen LeBron play before. And that wasn't his game, but he felt like he needed to do it and adjust his game accordingly. Kevin Durant, as soon as you realize that the defense is doing what they're doing to you, you have to adjust accordingly. Yes, maybe Kyrie can be the one to score all those points. But Kevin Durant, you might need to work harder on D or not defense. No, that's not all defense. But get more rebounds, get more assists, become that guy, right? And I can make the exact same argument with Kyrie. Exact same argument with Kyrie, which I honestly would. And people are like, oh, Kyrie, you know, it's Ramadan. I'm hearing all these kind of excuses for Kyrie. You don't get no excuses. You don't get no excuses. You know what I mean? There wouldn't be no excuses. You mean you weren't no excuses when you played played well in game one. So why would I give you excuses in game two and game three? Just it it just adjusts your game accordingly, and if you watch the games, the adjustments haven't been made. Adjustments, the adjustments have not been made accordingly, and that is from Steve. That goes from Steve. Uh, I'm gonna say Steve Jobs. That goes from Steve Nash to Kevin Durant to Kyrie Irving, and you know, I would say everybody else, but everybody else doesn't have the the skill level to be able to adjust their skills accordingly. They don't, right? Because I'm not gonna ask Andre Drummond to all of a sudden go off. You know what I mean? You know how you don't have the skill. You don't have the skill set to be able to do so. But the other ones do. Yet we didn't see it, and yet they might get swept, and they're not they're gonna get a gentleman swept. It is what it is. Um, speaking of questionable, you know, basketball IQs and whatever, I would like to transition momentarily to a series that I have been paying particular attention to: um, this Timberwolves Grizzly series um, with. Okay, so it's the series is interesting. All right, it's currently all knotted up, as I'm sure y'all are aware, two apiece, um, with both teams taking one game in the in the other teams on the other team's floor. Um, okay, where do I start? Uh, the fans. Oh, the are we talking about the random protests or whatever? That's the best I, I part of that series. Over what? I never. I, I tried to look it up. I couldn't figure it out. Chickens. I, 
Wait, oh, wait, all of them have been about chickens? Yes. Oh, the guy with no, chicken, no. right? No, it's a real thing. So the uh, the owner of the Timberwolves, he part of his money is like a massive chicken farm, right? So his flock caught the avian flu. I want to say it was like 21 million chickens all got the flu. So he was like, they all got to go. Yeah. <laughs> If people were like, no, it's like, dog, the chicken has the flu. We Are we supposed to wait for this not to have the flu? Like, let everybody get the flu? What's wrong with y'all? Are we upset of chicken nuggets now? But, you know, we already had that chicken shortage. You, you know, <clears throat> some people, I'm not going to say who, but some people really need they chicken. Listen, if a, mad, if a lot of cows all of a sudden got mad cow disease, they got to go, too. I'm going to lie to you. Like, it is what it. Okay, so I thought that was a joke. We're we're, we're getting off topic a bit. But I I, I actually didn't realize that, that was like a thing. I thought it was like a joke. I thought somebody put it on Twitter, but nah. I should have known white people. Continue. Okay. Um. So now we've covered the the random protest that apparently happened. What like three times or something? Yeah. I, I don't remember. But um. Okay. So, in addition to that very, very random thing, um. This is a series full of very young players, very talented, very young players, um, right? The 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 proverbial men of the the expected proverbial men of the hour being right, like Anthony Edwards, Ja Morant, um, as well as what Cat, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Desmond Bay, and Dylan Brooks. And when you watch this game, you can tell these are very young players who have not been in the situation all that often. And this comes a couple ways. One, dudes like as as a as a as a unit, both teams, dudes making at times questionable decisions. Um, right. It is shown in. Minnesota's tendency, like, weirdly frequent tendency to let up off the gas um, after, like, getting a big lead or whatever. Uh, Occasionally questionable shot selection, that kind of thing. Um, But it has also been a very, very entertaining series. Probably more and probably less stressful for people who, like, aren't fans of either team. Also, the the roughing has been weird. Like, I, I don't know. Like, in Game 2, I know in Game 2 and Game 4, for example, both, actually, I think Games 2 through 4, like, just the first, the first quarter has lasted for, like, 30, 40 minutes because the refs just decided to call everything. Um, and it's just... I don't like how it's been refed. It's very, it's the kind of refing where, as players and coaches, it's hard to adjust to because it feels weirdly inconsistent. Um, now, right, for example, some of this has benefited Memphis, right? John, the game one, took like 20 free throws or something. Um, the Timberwolves took a bunch of free throws in game four. Um, it's also resulted in a, in a lot of players for both teams frequently being in foul trouble. Um, that said, though, right, getting more into the nitty-gritty of it, you have uh, Ja Morant, who has struggled to score, right? And this has come in large part because the Timberwolves' game plan kind of revolves around stopping it, basically, which is oftentimes dudes backing off, like packing the paint, Um so you look at Jaws, you know, um, you look at Jaws' numbers, and he hasn't scored efficiently at all in the series. Um, but Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks have. They have been playing very, very well. Um, Desmond Bain, the last game, he had like 30, he had 34 points, 
right? 11 of 18 from the field, 8 of 12 from 3. He has been automatic all series long. Dylan Brooks has played, has scored very well as well. Even as Ja has struggled to score himself, but especially right game four, he has allowed his teammates to cook, right? Kind of getting out of dude's way, making good reads, making good passes. Um, on, on the other side, right? Carl Anthony Towns has not, prior to game four, had not really asserted himself for real, right? Um, had take, I think game three, he might've taken four shots all game. Kitty cat. Right. Um, side note, uh, the Timberwolves annoy me. Not so much because of any given thing they do as, as a team, but, like, they talk so much. Every play, they're complaining to the ref about something. And it's just, y'all, yeah. just just play basketball. Like, this, it's just annoying. And, like, but, like, they have some fascinating players, right? Mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards. Like, and dunk on you. <laughs> Anthony Edwards is a problem, right? Towns, when he decides to actually play basketball, is a problem. The problem with that, though, is that, like, he, like, like I've mentioned, he will disappear. Um, a problem that the Timberwolves have is a team, as much stuff as they talk, and as good as they are when they are focused and playing hard, is that they will let the, their foot up off the gas, right? They will stop playing to the best of their abilities and just trying to coast for extended periods of time. And that is not a recipe for success when you're playing the Grizzlies because while they too are a very young team who will make a lot of mistakes and right jaw, you can kind of ice him out because he's not that great of a shooter. Um, they don't take games or possessions off. They will play the same with the same intensity for an entire four quarters, which is why, for example, they got game three because the Timberwolves had them down with 20, like down 20 plus points at two separate points during the game. But the Timberwolves let up off the gas. They made questionable decisions and the Grizzlies came back. They didn't come back once. They came back twice and they they took that game. Right. Um, if, and and like even game four, right, the Timberwolves had big leads. They did not, if you look at, like they did, they did not have a large lead at the end. And a lot of that, again, is Timberwolves making questionable decisions, dudes, you know, taking plays off. And it's, that's. Again, that's not a recipe for success. They kind of got away with one. Um, And, like, I still think the Grizzlies are going to win the series. In no small part because of what I said. And also, fairness, what I would like to see is Ja becoming more of a cutter this series so they can get him more involved in the offense again. Um, But, like, Bane... And Brooks continue to cook. Um, right? Desmond Bain, I, I'm sure, I'm not sure how much of the series y'all have watched. Desmond Bain has knocked down everything. Just, oh, oh, it's been kind of ridiculous. To yes. watch, I'm just like, huh. Like, I'm like, yeah. what's happening here? What, he hits eight threes this past game, right? Yeah, and he's the first person since I can't remember who it was, but he hit like seven threes in two game, two consecutive games at least. And I was like, I was watching. I was like, this guy's really just like really shooting that thing, and it all is very deep and confident shots too. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, do your thing, dog. But like, it wasn't enough. And like, and like the thing about it, right? Especially like last game, for example. Right, Jaws not above, right, taking a step back and letting his teammates cook, right, looking for Bain, looking for Brooks, so, so like, they can get their shots, um, right, closing seconds down, like, as the game's coming to the close, last game, I think we were down, like, three or something, 
Um, I think it was at the point where like there basically wouldn't have been a shot clock anyway. Um, fast break, right? Ja passes it to what? Tyus Jones, right? Wide open for a three. It just, in my opinion, it was a good decision on Ja's part because we needed three, not the two. The shot just doesn't fall. Um, it, but like, it's just. Honestly, it's, it's just Ikea, really good series, right? Like, I I can have complaints about various things, about the, the, the general quality of the refing over the course of the series and the consistency therein, right? Like I said, the Timberwolves talk entirely too much, on, like on the floor in particular. I, I don't know what they do off the floor. I, I don't pay attention to dudes on Twitter or whatever. Um, I mean... I, Took a whole lot, and then Carthony Towns talked so much that he just oh. stopped scoring. Well, that game three, oh, that was so funny. He was like, "Yeah, never get to, not another nothing in our house," and they just lost. They just scored no more points after being up big twice. But then he came back the next game and dropped like thirty four and thirteen, which is like yeah. the first player in Timberwolves history since Kevin Garnett to do it. And I'm like, I can't hate the guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like. The guy kind of nice when he chose it to be. The dude got a hunchback like he Quasimodo, but like he nice with it. You know what I mean? Once again, but inconsistent. Uh, but when he's like on, just like Calvin said, he a problem. It's just that I don't think I've also don't. I think as Anthony Edwards has rubbed off of him because I've not heard him talk to as much in his whole career as he has this year. So good for him because he was. Since the Jimmy Butler fiasco, people have been clowning him, talking about calling him soft. So I think he's just doubling down the opposite way. Uh, but I really do think that's just like a Patrick Beverly, Anthony Edwards, just like they're on your team. So like you're kind of learning how to come into your own in terms of that kind of mentality because of that. So like I can't knock his progression in terms of his mentality towards his toughness, I guess you would say. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I would just say though, like I. I do think that they've benefited from having a dude like Beverly on this on on that team, a team of young dudes who like the ones who've been in the league for a little haven't exactly had a whole lot of success. Um, Beverly can come in and like Beverly's in charge. Okay, my opinion: Beverly's in charge. Cat's the best player on the team, but it's Anthony Edwards' team. Um, if that makes sense to you, um, it is. Until you watch this past game. And Anthony Edwards, towards the end of the game, looks like a young player. Well, and then I mean, they're like, who do they? Who is the de facto player they go to? Crescent Towns. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, Anthony Edwards is a rookie. You know what I mean? So, or well, I think second year player. Second, second year player. Excuse me. He's a so he's a second year player. So he does look young. He he does look fantastic when he doesn't look young still. You know what I mean? But not everybody is going to be, you know, at their peak, Luka Doncic, their second year of playing in the NBA. You know what I mean? So, Right. Um, it's virtually the same thing if you're not winning games. Point taken. I'm not mad at taken. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. And, like... Actually, I don't have too much to say. Like, otherwise, I'd just talk about like the Grizzlies. How, of course, right? Stephen Adams is it basically can't be played this series, um, just because he doesn't have the. I guess the, the versatility is not really the word I'm looking for, but like he he can't do a whole lot with dudes on the perimeter. Um, but you know, Tillman and Clark have come in and played well. Um, real quick. Real quick. Mm-hmm. So Kevin Durant's passing the ball, right? Almost mm-hmm. in the game right now. Kevin mm-hmm. Durant's passing the ball, kind of like we said uh, he needs to do, making some good offensive plays. But then he just had the wildest turnover I've ever seen. Not I've ever seen. He had a wild turnover because you could tell he don't pass the ball like that because he tried to do that like Derrick Rose, you jump into the air pass, but then the defense. Uh, they rotated to like perfectly, and so he just like 
looked goofy passing it to the other team wide open and they got a layup. It was hilarious. Sorry, continue. Uh, it's cool. Um, John's been getting cooked on defense. I just saw it. Uh, <laughs> Lord, okay. Hey, that's but, a good he, he, he was so off balance. What are you doing? Oh, I mean, he's he's got to do something. He's got to do something. Bro, throw the ball away. Don't throw it to the other team. Oh, um, but uh, is there anything else y'all want to add? Uh, towards this specific subject? In general, I think this is about a solid spot to stop. Uh, uh, no, I think I got what I need off my chest. Yeah. Uh, well, if that is the case, guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Traveling Hoopers podcast. I have been your host, Alan Predigrew Jr. And since you're already here, like, subscribe, and stay in tune for more content. We actually have a podcast with four regional scouts. One of them is in is me. I'm one of the regional scouts um, about our event that happened in Kansas City during live period. So if you're looking for any type of high school basketball content update and recruiting, that is the place to be. We'll be filming that on Thursday, so it'll probably be out around like Thursday evening. I'm going to try to work fast. We're going to see. But, guys, go ahead and sign out for us. Uh, once again, right, I'm Calvin McGowan. It's always a pleasure to be here. You know, listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Like, share, subscribe, leave something in the comments. Um, at some point, I'm just going to be a certified Laker hater for like a segment. Just, I'm just making y'all aware now. Enjoy the rest of your week. My name is Philip Dixon, a.k.a. certified Draymond hater. Because um, nice. once again, they can't get another ring. Because if that guy gets another ring and I got to hear about it, I'm going to be so upset. But also, he might be the first person that is in the playoff is in the playoffs and is tweeting. Um, what do you want to call those? He's tweeting like strategy and like big uppins and like about the other teams while he's in the playoffs himself. As like he's like an on-site correspondent. It's very strange. I don't know how I feel about it because I'm like, I kind of get what you're doing because you're once again, you're setting yourself up for like the future, but also like this is like not like you're an on-site reporter from Iraq. You're just play, just play the game. Like, don't be, just do your thing. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to do all that. Um, so whatever. Um, but yeah, subscribe down below. Click that bell for notifications. Just like all the great YouTubers say. So there you go.